Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, and of course that means it's time to get riled up. Not today with my man Tom Ryle, who is taking a brief hiatus. Uh, we are actually joined by another member of the Blog and the Boys family, Mr. Connor Livesay, who's taken some time off of his own podcast, which you can normally hear on the Blog and the Boys network every Wednesday, Talking the Star. He's joined us to fill in for our boy Tom in his absence. And uh, you can follow him, of course, at Connor, Connor, rather, NFL Draft. And that's Connor with two O's. Make sure you get that. And, of course, you can follow me at RW3 on Twitter. Roy White, your boy here, every Thursday here with Riled Up and all that great content at bloggingtheboys.com. That's always available to you and on the Twitter sphere at Blogging the Boys. Big day today. Connor, as uh, the Cowboys finally get to breathe a little bit, they finally get to stretch their pants out and say, hey, you know, if I want to if I want to do a little spending, I might be able to consider that. Now, up to this point, the Cowboys have largely played the tight pocket game. And in general, I think folks expect that to continue just because the Cowboys have money doesn't mean they're necessarily going to look to spend it as quickly as possible but we're not the cowboys connor we don't have to you know react to to cat boy stipulations and conversations and pride inside the front office and for me i see players out there that could help the cowboys right now and would have me feeling better about the cowboys position going into 2023 you know with that being said I'd like to give you the floor just a little bit before we talk about that. Uh, OTA is about to kick off for the Cowboys tomorrow, the media open portion of the practice. Is there anything there that you've got an eye on or that you'll be monitoring from a, you know, a media standpoint? Because, of course, we're, we're all getting our news from the same place, uh, the eyes of those, those that are actually able to see it. Anything you'll be looking for in particular? I'm really interested to just see what – these rookies look like i mean i know we had some of rookie camp and you know we had some i guess more so of like photos of tyler smith and sam williams and jalen tolbert in that like first little week of mandatory or uh otas last week but i mean i think this week i think they're going to take the training wheels off on some of those guys and maybe throw them into the fire a little bit so i'm interested to see the guy like sam williams that we didn't hear a lot about you know in the early stages of otas and rookie mini camp and all that what is his progression look like from since he was drafted? You know, I know he's been working hard. I know he's you know trying to get his weight in the right uh, spot to where he can really, you know, exceed off the edge. So for me, I'm just, I'm interested to see guys like Sam Williams. I'm interested to see if Jalen Tolbert works out of that rehab group and is able to get on the field and actually do some things with the offense. Cause he's going to be needed to play a big role this year. Um, and then the other guys, Jake Ferguson, he's going to need to play a big role as well because Dalton Schultz is tied in one 
you really don't have a good option at tight end to Jake Ferguson, Jeremy Sprinkle are the two options there to probably play that role. So it's kind of interesting to see what role he plays as a rookie tight end. We see that position needing some time to develop, but I think they're going to need Ferguson to develop quicker than most because they're, they're going to ask a lot out of him in his rookie year, I would imagine. Yeah, another position people are keeping an eye on and, you know, uh, along the offensive line, you mentioned Smith, but well, let's go is going to be one that, you know, everybody's got an eye on because the Cowboys have got to figure out this swing tackle position. And, you know, in the absence of a surefire two tight end set that you feel comfortable with, you know, the swing tackle is kind of a guy that can replace that at least in some cases of, of what you're trying to do. Now, the good news is last week, we got wind that Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott both were being featured on the field uh, several times. And, and that is an instance where I, you know, I can kind of see them getting by without necessarily a top tier second tight end, if they can work Tony Pollard into the passing game in some capacity. But, you know, I don't have a lot of confidence in that just reading that from an OTA practice when I've never actually seen it on display. So yeah, I'd have to think- read a, a lot more OTA practices training camp practices, if you will, featuring that type of stuff before I'm going to get too excited about it. But a little sprinkle of it will make me feel comfortable, no pun intended. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I do feel like we – don't we hear that every season? Like Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, the, the 20 personnel, is it's it's on fire early in camp and OTAs. And, oh, they have his role design. You know, Tony Pollard is going to play a ton out of the slot. Yeah. Like how many times have we heard that over the last couple of years? So. Well, I think they just have an aversion. Like ultimately, when you get in the game plan, they and and within the game itself, right within the clock parameters of like making a decision every forty seconds, I think they just shy away and are fearful of the two running back set. Like they conventional wisdom kind of tells you that that's not necessarily the best way to attack today's NFL. Right. You know today's NFL defenses, but again, it goes back to: Are you a coach that coaches? to your personnel and gets the best out of your personnel or do you come up with a system and then say, I'm going to make these, you know, square pegs fit my round holes. Right. And I think we've always been clamoring for a system that is malleable and flexible to feature the best of what the players on the field have to offer. That's where I kind of look to Mike McCarthy and, and what, you know, potentially he may improve, be able to improve upon in 2023. And I wanted to get into that in this pod as well, but back real quick, because this is the fun part, spending the Dallas Cowboys money. Okay. According to over the cap presently, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the Cowboys have $22 million in cap room. Now we're obviously not looking to spend all 22 million in one fell swoop, but there are a number of free agents out there that I do believe the Cowboys could benefit from adding and they would be better today by making these additions. So I'll start with the first player on my list, and that is a 31-year-old, eight-year veteran, multi-time pro bowler, but a player coming off of a major injury, right? And specifically, a player who, like Tyron Smith, is probably not going to practice much at all in 2023. Having said all of that, the center, J.C. Treader who last year was with the Browns before he got injured and ultimately was cut by them this offseason to save $8 million on the cap because of knee and ankle issues. He didn't practice at all in 2021, but he still managed to play over a thousand snaps at the center position. And 
while I don't put all my eggs in the PFF grading basket, when I compare his grades last season to that of the starting center, the Cowboys rolled out there and Tyler Biotish, the difference is unbelievable. JC Treader, as a 31 year old had just five penalties and a player grade, according to Pro Football Focus, of 78.7. Biotish had 11 penalties and had a player grade of 64.8. To me, J.C. Treader is a guy who could upgrade your offensive line immediately. I don't know a whole lot about player, you know, player flexibility. And, you know, to be honest, like, I don't really have a problem with him not practicing all that much if he can play every Sunday. And that's something he's done in every game of his career over the last five years outside of a short stint on the COVID list. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and again, like any player that's still available right now is either going to be a little bit older. They're going to have some sort of, you know, coming off an injury. Like there's going to be some circumstance involved that they're still available and, you know, probably not making that top dollar. So, I mean, JC Treader would make a ton of sense. I I don't think Tyler Biotish is a bad center. I just think he's, we always talk about it, but like, he's like in that tier, like we talk about it with quarterbacks, but like he's in that tier of guys where you're trying to replace every year, trying to find a guy that can come in and play better than he does. You're not actively like trading for guys or actively, you know, signing guys to these big deals, but like if you can upgrade the position, you upgrade the position. Um, and you also I think, think he kind of I mean, falls into that category. You're also still holding out hope that like you can continue to develop him. Right, and that's why right. this might be the perfect signing it for both both aspects of it right for the cowboys and for tyler because who's going to get all the practice reps with the first team that's going to be tyler biotish but on sunday jc treader is the guy i'd turn to and coming off a season where he made about 10 million dollars with the browns now that no one's throwing money at him you know that number is much lower if that comes down to say four or five million dollars I think that's a no-brainer for the Cowboys, and I do hope they would make that attempt. From what I know about the organization, I don't feel confident about it, but again, I'm not doing this to try to assume what they're going to do. I'm doing this to give them suggestions on what I'd like to see them do. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So I want to go in a similar direction. And maybe a little bit more realistic. I mean, <clears throat> like you said, like I, I, I agree with everything you said. It just seems like J.C. Treader is kind of the – with him being the NFLPA rep and like a little against the grain for what maybe they look for in a guy. Man, I hate that. I, I hate that you said that, but I, I do think that would play actually into it. Yeah. That's probably too I, I, much I spotlight <laughs> in the – Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I said, for, for most teams, it just – they kind of shrug it off, but they just do not like bringing in that type of – I guess, attitude into, I mean, they don't do things the normal way. I don't think so. I think when, when you kind of mix some of that with a guy who's like leading the players union into how things should be done to benefit them, it could get a little murky, but. By the way, that's bad business. That's spiting your, that's cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's, That's hurting yourself to, for what you think is a benefit and it's not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's just, same reason I feel like we haven't seen them bring in some certain free agents or trade for some certain people recently because of their political stance or what they do during the anthem and stuff like that. So sorry, I um, keep dragging you off. Give me your guy. No, um, so I was thinking of Brian Bulaga, the right tackle who played for the Chargers. He has a background with Mike McCarthy. He was drafted by the Packers, won a Super Bowl with the Packers. 
Um, the reason I think that that might be a position they target is because we know Tyron Smith's probably going to miss a couple games. It's just been a foregone conclusion for the last couple of years. But what if something happens? We saw a couple of years ago where Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins both didn't play and you had backup tackles at each spot. What if that happens this year? Because you have Josh Ball, who has never played an NFL snap. You have Matt Willetsko, who has the tools, but he's nowhere close to being able, I think, slide in and be a starter for you. I think, I think we mentioned his name, but I think he could be a guy that you could see the phantom IR injury, you know, where they spend the year getting him in the weight. What happened with Josh Ball last year? He didn't play at all last year because he was trying to build up his weight. So I could see that happening with Matt Willetsko. So Brian Balaga is a guy that the head coach is familiar with. He's had a ton of starting experience in the NFL. And while you can throw Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele out as your starters, Balaga is a guy who's only played on his on the right side in his career, but he has a ton of experience, could help develop, you know, Terrence Steele on the right side and could fill in there if you need him to. Um, I just think that that makes a ton of sense because of the tie to Mike McCarthy and also the fact that they really have no experienced tackle depth behind Tyron and Terrence Steele, which is a bit concerning. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously anything they could do to add to the tackle room just to bring in some depth and Brian Balaga, I mean, you talk about a guy, you know, drafted 12 years ago, but he was a highly regarded prospect. I mean, taken in the first round and at the time it felt like a player that the Cowboys, you know, that would have been a decent fit with them. Um, at least to my recollection, I know that was a long time ago, but yeah, uh, interesting season last year. He did not grade out very well, but it's, again, I think something that does fit in the mold of the Cowboys where they're more likely to take a risk on a guy on a bounce-back season like Bulaga than they probably are on a guy like Treader. In that same vein, right, offensive tackle depth, there's another guy who was once a highly regarded prospect that's still looking for a job, and that's a former number one overall draft pick. Eric Fisher is coming off of what was his worst season since his rookie year uh, with the Indianapolis Colts last year. Um, he gave up seven sacks, which is five more than what Ty, you know, Terrence Steele gave up last season. But according to Pro Football Focus, even in his worst year since his rookie season, he still graded out better than Terrence Steele in every aspect of the position, run blocking, pass blocking, and overall, and tied with him uh, with the same number of penalties. Now, could some of that be negated by the mobility of a Dak Prescott as opposed to what Indianapolis was rolling out there last season? I think so. And as far as cost-saving measures go, Eric Fisher was only making a couple million last year with the Indianapolis Colts. And ultimately I think he could probably be gotten for even less now knowing that, you know, he's coming off of an injury and he's himself is going to be 32 this season. So like, again, it's, it's not an immediate starter that comes in or like a guy that immediately takes it. Although shoot, to be fair, he probably is better than Terrence Steele immediately walking out of the gate yeah no I mean that that's another guy who was drafted high you know we've seen them do that with guys like Alden Smith and Dante Fowler as an example this year so that makes a sense kind of getting you know like you said earlier try to strike lightning in a bottle and a one-year bounce back have him come in maybe he figures it out and then he signs a big deal next year and you get a comp pick so that and I do think they'll probably take 
two or three swings at guys like this, like maybe not in the four to $5 million range, but you know, another trio of one to $2 million guys, that's not impossible to imagine. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, and I think, I think one of those next swings is could be at the wide receiver position and, and I, I didn't give a name, but with Michael Gallup missing the first, let's just say, I think four to five, possibly six games of the season recovering from that ACL injury. You don't need a guy to come in and play the whole year for you, but if you could get a guy that could give you a good 10 games on the year. So I kind of want the hurt guys uh, in that wide receiver position together. And that's Will Fuller, Julio Jones, and T.Y. Hilton. And that's another, I mean, Julio Jones is two years ago. He's the best receiver in football, in my opinion. So yeah. that would be a big swing for the fences. I don't think they go that route. I think it would be more the T.Y. Hilton or um, Will Fuller route, guys who get banged up. They haven't been healthy throughout the years. But if you can just get them to be healthy for the start of the season, play you a good four or six, and if they do give you 12 to 16, 17 games, great. Your wide receiver room just was added depth and, and talent to it. But, I mean, I, I'm terrified what's going to happen if C.D. Lamb goes down with an injury or if Jalen Tolbert goes down with an injury or doesn't develop or Michael Gallup comes back like he did last year and suffers another injury because – I just don't think your starting three wide receivers are anywhere close to the top half of the league if you have an injury with one of those top three guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll save that thought because I want to dive into that. Um, I want to tell you why I'm not that concerned okay. about that particular position that everybody's sounding the alarms about. <laughs> but we'll finish with, uh, you know, the the free agents that we're looking at, because I think, you know, the last three guys we've named have all been pretty reasonable. And, and of those three, right, right um, those three wide receivers, T.Y., uh, Fuller and Julio, I would probably rank them in that order. Um Full disclosure, I grew up as a Titans fan. I know it's hard to believe that there's any out there that exist. Uh, and I did watch a lot of Julio last season, and I fear he might truly be done. Um, yeah. I know they, you know, based on the moves that they made, they obviously think that because they gave up a first rounder for him, not even, a, you know, a season ago, and they gave him away for nothing. Um, they saw him every day and shoot in the games that he did play he was not creating any type of separation. The burst, the quickness, the jumping ability, it's all diminished in my mind from what I saw a season ago. Now, maybe, you know, fully healthy, he comes back and can, and can get back to that. But I'd probably take my chances with T.Y. With T.Y. first um, as kind of a stretch guy and a veteran. And, and then also, you know, Will Fuller, he's the youngest of the three. And so he's probably the one that I at least think, hey, you know, maybe he could carry me in the event of CD going down. Because you're right. Um, I think on that front, CD going down is probably the only concern I have. If CD goes down, I will confess, all right, alarms should be sounded. But the last guy I would like to spend the Cowboys money on is a guy that I know they won't. But 
<laughs> I just want them to do it because I want them to see one freaking time what it would be like for their defensive line to have an impact player at this position. And Dominican Sue is 35 years old. Yes. But he has been a force in the league ever since he came out of Nebraska. And quite honestly, before then, um, he played a pivotal role in the Buccaneers championship uh, and, and still I think is getting it done at his age. Now he's probably getting it done so well that he maybe still commands six, seven, eight million dollars because he got 10 a season ago in the last couple of seasons. But, you know, if the Cowboys were willing to stretch their pocketbooks and maybe go seven and, or excuse me, maybe go six and, and give him eight with incentives, I'd be willing to take a chance on it just because I would love to see him in a Cowboys uniform and see what that defense could do with DeMarcus, Micah, and an interior defensive lineman in which you basically have to double one of those guys and the other two are probably getting single. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I would, I would really like that. I mean, Nadam, Nadam is a guy that we've kind of talked about for years now, you know, since he's kind of signed those one or two year deals since getting out of Detroit. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I think that like you kind of said, you know, he's getting up there in age a little bit, maybe losing the consistency, you know, from play to play that he once had, but Still, I think he's a guy that can provide some pressure. He can be a, you know, impact player for you in the playoffs. That's kind of when he plays his best football. So he's also one of those guys that we touched on earlier that I wonder if they just shy away from, you know, because of the, you know, mental makeup or added, you know, he's, he's a different cat from what we kind of hear. So I wonder yeah. if they're like, oh, he's not going to be coachable. We don't, we don't want anything to do with him. But again, it's just, at some point you can just got to take good football players. And, and I think he fits the bill. And I know Akeem Hicks just got signed the last, last couple of days. He was a guy that I was kind of interested in that same vein as an impact interior defensive tackle um, that could help, you know, provide some pressure. So the Dominican Sue would be a lot of fun. I think he would, he, you know, give you a bolster of what your interior defensive line looks like going into the season. And that's only a positive thing. Did you have anybody else <laughs> on the free agent front before I move on? Um, the only other thing I would say is like they've been rumored to apparently like Anthony Barr. I think the linebacker position is a position they could dip their toes into. Anthony Barr would make sense. I like uh, Quan Alexander quite a bit too. I mean, he's a little bit older than I think Anthony Barr is, but I mean, Quan Alexander when he's healthy, he's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best inside linebackers in football. He can cover, he can play the run. Um, he's been a ton of fun to watch with the, the Saints recently. Is really good with the Buccaneers. So I would consider bringing in one of those guys because, like I said about the wide receiver room, I think, you know, with Micah playing a lot of edge, playing linebacker, if Leighton kind of reverts back to what he's been most of his career, which has been a average and at times below average linebacker, you got a lot of uncertainty at that linebacker room, you know, with Micah kind of doing a lot of different roles, Leighton's whatever, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get with him. But Jabril Cox didn't play pretty much at all last year towards ACL. You're probably not going to have Damone Clark. So that linebacker room could get interesting if you, you know, again, have an injury or you don't have Leighton return to a, you know, starting caliber player that he's shown at times, but a lot of times it's been pretty disappointing with Van Der Esch, in my opinion. So I wouldn't put all my chips in Van Der Esch's basket. And then at that time, you're relying on a second year player and Jabril Cox who's coming off an ACL and then a lot of like role players such and, and rookie Devin Harper and all that. So I, I'd try to get a starting caliber linebacker in house before, you know, the season starts. Yeah. Well, and, you know, talking about that linebacker position group, 
it kind of is a decent transition into the wide receiver conversation. And I've given away a little bit of the cheese here, but I'll say it this way, right? How many teams last season had at least two players catch more than 78 balls for them? And you think of all the great wide receivers, right? All the great wide receiver pairings that are out there. Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Los Angeles, whoever you want to add against, you know, alongside Cooper Cup. Um, Minnesota, potentially. Buffalo. Do you care to guess how many teams had at least two players catch 78 balls or more? No. I mean, I'll give you you a chance to knock one off the list. I'm guessing the Cowboys are one. (laughs) They are. The other two, one? one would be one you would not be surprised by, although you might be surprised at who the second player was, and then the other you would be surprised by. I would imagine Tampa Bay would be one, but I could be wrong there. Man, Chris Godwin got hurt at the end of the year. He did, and uh, it, yeah, it, but actually, Chris Godwin had 98 catches um, last season, so it was not Chris Godwin that failed to catch 78 passes. Hmm. It was so, it wasn't Tam- Sa- so it wasn't Tampa. It was not right. Tampa. Huh. Um, one playoff. Uh, both teams. I mean, my bet would have been Minnesota. One team was in the Thielen. playoffs. One was not. It was not Minnesota. The, I, the, I know Thielen missed some games too, which I'm sure that that would change things if Thielen stayed healthy and all that. But um, true. Damn. I mean, in fairness, right? I mean, Cincinnati <laughs> probably makes the list if T. Higgins doesn't miss two games. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in fairness, Robert right? But Rams, just playing the game. Robert Woods didn't miss some game. You know, I know Robert Woods got hurt, so mm-hmm. Odell came in late. Um, Man, I don't know. What's the other one? So, Buffalo, Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. Probably doesn't surprise you that Cole had, you know, 82 catches, but it was a pretty meager performance. He only had 693 yards, and right. Stephon Diggs had the remaining 1,200. And then the other team that had two players catch more than 78 balls was Baltimore. Mark Andrews. Right. And Hollywood Brown, who had 91 catches, which I think would be a surprise to even fantasy football players out there last year, that he wound up with 91 catches. So I say all that to say the Cowboys are the only other team on that list. And that was CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz who produced that. It wasn't CeeDee and Amari Cooper. Now, granted, right, Amari Cooper did wind up catching 68 passes of his own. Right. So amongst the three, they spread them out fairly well. For example, Cooper, Cooper Cook had 145 catches, right? So by himself, he almost had as many catches as the two of those. <laughs> but saying that, I, and I, the reason I say that is because, you know, not a lot of teams have a ton of great talent outside of their top-end guy. Um, granted, I do agree that if CeeDee Lamb goes down, they're probably in trouble. But are they in that much trouble – if Dak Prescott is healthier this season than he was last year and is able to make some moves, you know, with his legs. Cause I think when you look statistically at it, like the one aspect of his game that never really returned last year was what he did on a consistent basis, the prior four years, you know, with his legs. And I think some of that can alleviate the pressure that exists from getting the football down the field on such a regular basis. Do you feel at all confident uh, given kind of my explanation there and the fact that, quite frankly, my belief is if you have a great quarterback, 
and I believe that Dak Prescott is that, then you can operate with somewhat of a rotating cast at the wide receiver position and expect to ride fairly similarly to where you have in the past. Is that fool's gold? I agree with you on one condition, and that one condition terrifies me. Hmm. If they get played the same way they got played last year where they couldn't block, they couldn't run block, they couldn't run the football, and they had seven, eight guys dropping into coverage, Hmm. and you don't improve on that front, and then you did get – I mean, we can admit they got worse at the receiver position. You know, I do agree with that. Yes, on paper they're worse. That's my biggest issue is if you – if we're saying they got worse at the receiver position – I mean, you can make the case that they got worse at offensive line. We're moving on from Lyle Collins. I think we could say that Connor Williams, even though it was frustrating, is probably a better player in year one or in better player in year what four than what Tyler Smith is going to be in year one. So that's my biggest concern is if they got worse at receiver, they technically got worse at tight end, even though Blake Jarwin didn't play a ton last year. Um, and then they got worse at offensive line. Let's just say that, you know, then I, I, I'm worried that, that seven or eight guys in coverage turns to, you know, eight guys in coverage and they're going to go, okay, we're going to just force you guys to run the football. And we saw they either couldn't last year or we kind of, you know, Kellen Moore had some issues with maybe committing to the run at times and and going away from it too early. I think at times, and even like you said, like I'm a, you know, don't run, don't the running backs don't matter, whatever you want to call. Like I, I don't love running the football, but when you got eight or nine dudes in coverage and they're playing that shell coverage on you, you have to be able to run the football. We saw Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs struggle for a six week stretch when they wouldn't commit to running the football, they couldn't run the football, and the offense looked miserable. Um, so that's my only issue is I feel like you, you, when you had CD and Amari and Dalton Schultz, you could still do some things to pull, you know, double coverage on one side. And that would give CD lamb one-on-one opportunities on one side of the field or vice versa, or they would open up, you know, that underneath stuff for Dalton Schultz. But I just wonder if, if they don't improve running the football and, and blocking up front, do those little spaces that they could kind of target and coverage close up even more with the linebacker dropping into, you know, zone flats a little bit more and, really not even committing to the run. So that's my biggest concern is that that not getting fixed from 21 to 22. That's a fair point. Cause that frustration that you feel when they're throwing it into eight man coverages is the yeah. exact same frustration you feel when they line up for goal line, needing one yard on like a third and one, you're like, you're inviting exactly right. what you don't right. want to see. And Yeah, I'm with you, right? Running backs don't matter, but what does matter is taking what the defense gives you. And if you can't identify what they're giving you or you can't take advantage of that, that is going to cost you football games. Absolutely. And that that was a frustrating thing last year is they had a guy who was getting a yard, more than a yard more per carry than the guy they were handing the football twice as much. And they wouldn't play the guy who was giving you a yard more per carry most of the time. So it was like, if you're struggling to run the football – you can't block and you have a guy giving you a yard more per touch pretty much. Like, why are we playing that guy half of the snaps as the other? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like I said, like, that's just my fear is that now, you know, now CD will probably get a lot of the attention and it's just like defenses are going to go, Hey, we'll single up, you know, Jalen Tolbert and we'll single up James Washington and we're going to drop those hook defenders and on Dalton Schultz. And then it's going to be, all right, let's see how Kellen Moore beats this because he didn't show it in 2021 at all. 
And now we're just getting it. We're making it even easier. We can, we can double one guy. We feel really confident in our single. That was a good thing about last year is when you doubled Cooper lamb could win one-on-ones when you double lamb Cooper could win those one-on-ones. I just don't think you have that second receiver right now that can constantly just exploit one-on-one coverage, which that's what's my biggest concern. Totally fair. Totally fair. And I mean, again, you know, right now it's impossible to have any confidence in this group because it's a bunch of no names. I mean, all the guys that are getting reps are guys that have never done it. Even players that were drafted a season ago in semi Fajoko, you read that he's working with the first team offense and you go, wow, that's great. Kind of shocking that he never got to do that at all a season ago, even though he was drafted last year um barely even got any snaps i think he played less than 50 snaps total and most of that was special teams a year ago so granted right there's a lot to make up for and we won't even begin to feel confident about that group or even halfway confident until we see them work a little bit in training camp but i wanted to throw that out there because statistically at least the cowboys top pair of wide receivers or top pair of pass catchers was the third best in the nfl from a receiving standpoint, right? Not necessarily yardage, but from a reception standpoint, they were the second best in the NFL. So with that being said, I think, uh, Connor, that was a pretty successful episode, if I do say so myself. Tom and I always like to pat ourselves on the back when we do (laughs) put a good show together. And, of course, if you're out there listening in the Blogging the Boys uh, nation, by all means, let us know what you think. Hit Connor up on Twitter connor nfl draft two o's there on twitter you can find me at rw3 of course roy white we want to hear from you right what do you think of the pod what do you what would you like to hear us talk about any questions that you have we'd love to answer them for you and of course continue to check out all that great content at bloggingtheboys.com we'll be back with the youtube channel as we get into training camp we put that on the burner for just a little bit as the news has slowed down but any news updates Keep it locked to bloggingtheboys.com, and we'll have them for you. For Connor, I'm Roy. Stay riled up on the Cowboys, and we'll see you next time.